there's a guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? I need that bed. Why? Because I need it. Why? Because if someone were to break in here in the middle of the night wanting to murder us, they would attack this bed first. So I need this bed. So you're saying that you want me to get murdered first? In front of you? And then what would you do? Would you just run away and leave me to bleed out on the floor? Uh, sort of. That was the plan. Yeah. How'd you know I was a Marine? Boot laces, jarhead wraparound. <laughs> Old habits. And, uh, you, let me guess, your, um, army? Is it that obvious? No. Who else would be stupid enough to insult a Marine? Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show, where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Acco, and I am really eager for Christmas. Hi, I'm David Campbell. Um, welcome to Shoot the Breeze. Um, I've got mixed feelings about Christmas. It's going to be very, very, very different this year. Oh, okay. No, I understand. I understand exactly what you mean. Obviously, it's, it's like I, I was trying to think. You know, bring up the mood. It's Christmas time. It's almost. It's what at, at the moment. It's only umpteen days uh, to to December twenty fifth when you know we can gather together with family. And I'm thinking, well, actually, not all family and so on because of how twenty twenty has gone. But at least I, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of something positive to say about Christmas. At least we made it to, we made it to Christmas, right? 2020 is almost out. Um, there's good news on the horizon with regards to vaccines, whatever your belief is on whatever. I'm not going to go down that route because I've had conversations with numerous people and I'm not going to sidetrack this show with those conversations. But at least we know that we are heading in a particular direction where there is positive, is, is sort of a positive outlook on the coronavirus, the COVID pandemic, lockdown, and everything else. Even if it takes us another six months, at least we know we're heading towards a, a situation where we can head out, right? I mean, David, what do you think? That's true. I mean, um, the lockdown has been harsh on a lot of people, and it doesn't matter you call it a lockdown or what have you. The, the restrictions, whether in your tier one, two, or three, or complete lockdown, have been... Um, trying on a lot of people and a lot of people have suffered as a result so yeah that in itself is good news that we're going to be able to head out to a brighter tomorrow absolutely absolutely in fact it's the whole pandemic and the effect of the pandemic is going to be one of the topics of our uh, film and tv news when we get to it in a few minutes but you know at the end of the day at least we're all alive at least we're healthy at least we're here um, so that, let's be grateful for that. Let's, let's relish in that fact. Uh, we've lost a lot of friends, a lot of family this year. This year has been, has been horrific. For, I would say for everybody, even the people who, who were successful this year. There's been a lot of uh, trauma, tragedy that has happened. This year is almost finished. Let's hope for a brighter 2021. 
in case you don't remember which show you're listening to, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm David Campbell. On the show today, we're going to be talking during the spotlight section to uh, uh, Florida filmmaker Elaine Roberts, who is going to be telling us about how she's producing a short film called The Pill while she is in Miami, Florida, and the film is actually being shot in Spain. So across the Atlantic, she's producing a film she's going to be telling us about that during spotlight we're going to do our top five favorite films today which is in honor of 2020 we're going to look at tv shows that have been canceled too soon they were canceled in 2020 that we feel have been canceled too soon but before we get through all of that let's jump into film and tv news <laughs> TV news this week. Uh, we said it's kind of COVID-inspired or COVID-related, with Warner Brothers releasing recently uh, uh, the news that their 2021 slate of films will appear in theaters and on their, uh, their streaming service, HBO Max. Now, let, let, let's break down that little bit of news first, and then we'll jump into uh, a reaction that has, been, that has been received from the film director, Christopher Nolan on that particular topic. So first of all, Warner Brothers have decided to release the 2021 slate of films on, in theaters and HBO Max. So they're talking about what films they have coming out. They have films such as Wonder Woman. So it's uh, Wonder Woman 1984. You have the remake of Dune that's coming out as well. You have uh, the uh, sequel to Suicide Squad, the long awaited sequel to Space Jam. Uh, and also Matrix 4 is supposed to be coming out next year as well. So Warner Brothers have decided because of the uh, issues with regards to people going to the theater or going to the cinemas, they're going to release it both in the cinemas and on their streaming service, HBO Max, at, at the same time. Producer Dave, I want to ask you, first of all, what is your opinion on that decision? It's a long time coming, but they should have made that decision a lot sooner. They should have made that decision around about... July, August time, to be quite honest. I think the, had they done that, um, films such as Tenant would have had more backup when it was um, released. And mm -hmm. there wouldn't have been so much pressure on that particular film to be a success. Because they were, at the time when it was released, looking at it as possibly being the savior of cinema, which was always a big ask. Had there been Wonder Woman and The Matrix and some of the other films as well that you'd mentioned, um, it might have encouraged more people to go to the cinema in a socially distant fashion, obviously, and saved a lot of cinemas from closing down because what we're seeing now is a, a shift away from cinema into digital streaming, which isn't bad per se, but you remove that whole social atmosphere that comes with being in cinema. And even if a cinema is only a third capacity, there's still enough of a social atmosphere for people to enjoy it, if you see what I'm saying. If I understand, so if I understand correctly, you're saying that Warner Brothers should have actually made that decision a lot sooner. So actually they're in the right for having decided to put all of their films on both HBO Max and in theaters. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is, 
had they made that decision earlier, there was going to be an inevitable shift towards streaming. That already, that already started with Netflix winning big awards on their films that they did a limited run on. So they released it in the cinema and streamed it. By doing both, you've given people an increased option. They could either go to the cinema and watch it there, or they could stay at home and watch it there. It's, a, it's kind of a win-win for people and the studio. The studios can get some money at the cinema, keep the cinemas open, but also they can charge people for sitting at home and watching their content. Okay, so, so that's, that's your opinion on that. I'll, I'll come to my opinion in a second. Let me just read this article from uh, NBCnews.com, uh, which is, uh, it came out yesterday, or it came out on the 8th of December. Uh, Christopher Nolan, key Warner Brothers director, uh, film director that is, blocked studio over, re- over release strategy. So essentially what has happened is that this particular release that uh, Warner Brothers did, they made it without consulting any of the filmmakers whose projects they had, uh, they were about to release in 2021. So Christopher Nolan, is, the article says, Nolan, whose professional relationship with Warner Brothers dates to the 2002 thriller Insomnia and includes the blockbuster Dark Knight trilogy, says he was in disbelief over the move. And here are his actual words. It says, uh, they've, got some, they've got some of the biggest stars in the world who worked for years, in some cases, on these projects very close to their hearts that, meant to be, that are meant to be big screen experiences, Nolan told Entertainment Tonight. They are meant to be out there for the wild, widest possible audiences, and now they're being used as a loss leader for the streaming service without any consultation. So it seems that's, is, that's what his argument is. His argument is about the fact that, and in fact, he went even, even far more critical. He said, uh, uh, some, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find they were working for the worst streaming service. So HBO Max, in that, for that particular um, sentiment, HBO Max is a new streaming service that has come into into being, right? So Warner Brothers are trying to push HBO Max out there to compete with Netflix, Amazon, Disney+, Hulu, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Netflix is obviously still the one that's in charge because they're ahead. They started for a long period of time. Amazon Prime are kind of behind them and so on. And then you get Disney+, Plus that are charging because obviously Disney has everything, right? Everything else. Looking at all of those ones being the number one in the in that category hbo max has just started it's behind the pack and even so it's it's so behind the pack that even their own existing customers are not necessarily picking up hbo max so this particular idea that warner brothers are doing where they're going to put all the 2021 films like wonder woman dune matrix 4 uh, godzilla versus kong all of that stuff they're going to do both a, a, a theater release and hbo max it's, I, I see your point, as in, because thing, movies are now, and things are now moving more towards the streaming side of things, the fact that they're making that move means, if, if, again, same thing, they're trying to do that to make, make um, HBO Max more profitable for them, even though streaming services relatively are not as profitable as what they would get if they go into the theaters, right? So with the theaters side of things, that will now lose because, as you said, Nobody's going to, well, I say nobody, not many people are going to go to the, the cinema to go and watch these films if they can get it on TV. 
and what Christopher Nolan's complaining about, especially you mentioned Tenant, which uh, Tenant, which came out last year. Christopher Nolan movies are made for the cinema. Every time he comes up with a film, it's an IMAX presentation because you want to go and see it on the big screen. And I understand where he's coming from because Warner Brothers may have made that decision, but they made that decision without consulting any of the filmmakers uh, involved. Watching Wonder Woman, people, a lot of people like myself who are kind of scared to go out to the cinema at the moment, yes, I'm seeing that as a plus because I can easily sit at home and I can watch it on TV. But the filmmaker in me is thinking, that's a horrible, horrible outcome, especially when Warner Brothers are most likely not going to be paying them what they would be expecting. So imagine it this way. Imagine you've made, you've spent years, and I'm not talking just a year, years developing a film with the idea that you're gonna put it on the big screen, right? You're gonna see that on the big screen and you've sold it to Warner Brothers, you've sold the, the rights to Warner Brothers for them to be able to distribute this film for you, expecting that they'll put it on the big screen. Instead, they turn around, not increasing, not changing the contract, not paying you anything extra. They're just gonna go shove, shove it into their streaming service. And that's where all the pushback is coming from. And apparently a lot of these uh, filmmakers, uh, like um, legendary pictures uh, are proposing to sue, or they're not taking it off the table. They're going to sue Warner Brothers for this because the Warner Brothers do not adjust the contracts, for example, buying out all the films to be able to again do whatever they need to do with it, then that's gonna be problematic. There are other films uh, such as um, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's film, I can't remember, In the Heights, I think it's called. It's a, it's a big screen musical number, kind of like, um, what was the other musical number? The one with um, the, the jets and the sharks. West Side um, Story. West Side Story, yes, kind of like West Side Story. So he's kind of bringing back the West Side Story type uh, uh, big picture, right? Which would be great to see on the big screen. That is one of Netflix offered him hundred, not maybe not hundred million, but a very large chunk of money to put it on their streaming service, and he declined because he wanted it to be in the theaters. That is one of those kind of pictures that's going to be shoveled into HBO Max as well. Now, yes, they're saying, but we're also doing a theatrical release, a release as well. But the whole idea, here's my point, and I I hark back to the fact that a few, a couple of months ago. I was one of the people who was saying that there shouldn't be too much of a rush to go into the cinemas. Absolutely. I still stand by that. I still stand by the fact that we're in a pandemic. It is safer to stay at home if you can, only go out if you need to. And if you go out, stay safe, wear masks, take um, sanitizers, et cetera, et cetera, keep your distance and so on. The cinema is not a great place for you to go and do that. Having said that, I don't see a problem with just waiting. I think, and as a filmmaker myself, if I had a deal with Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers said to me, well, your big picture, and I'm obviously I'm an independent filmmaker, so any kind of picture that Warner Brothers would pick for me, I'll be happy for them to put it on the HBO streaming service, but I'm different. Someone like, you know, like Tenet, for example, using Tenet as an example, or Lin-Manuel Miranda, or using um, uh, the Wonder Woman, film as an example. Those are films that you can, you can easily say, we will hold off for six months. Yes, it'll be a sting. It'll be a sting in the sense that we don't get it immediately. However, in six months time from now, things might be different. We were talking about this a little bit a few minutes ago. There is 
we, we, we're beginning to see the, the, the path through this pandemic. In six months from now, the vaccine that has now been rolled out in the UK and in other countries in the world, we don't know. We'll see what the, the consequence is of that vaccine. Why not just hold off for six months and then still release it in the cinemas? In that case, you still have the, the opportunity to be able to, to um, promote the theater, uh, the cinema in, the industry. People in cinemas still have, still have jobs to go back to. You still have that experience where people can go out and watch films like Matrix 4 on the big screen. Can you imagine putting on HBO Max and watching it on your, I don't know, a lot of people have large screens, like 50-inch screen, 100-inch screen TVs. Fair enough. It's good for you. I don't have that. I tend not to watch movies on my big screen. Uh, and this is going to become, come as blasphemy for a lot of, uh, you know, ardent filmmakers out there. I watch a lot of my films on my, on my phone, right? On, on, on my iPhone, which is a dinky little screen. I'm not really going to get the full impact of Wonder Woman 1984 on my dinky little phone when I would happily wait six to eight months to go and watch it in the, screen, in the cinema. That big spectacle type movie. So that's my opinion in that. I, I do see where you're coming from, where you, uh, David, where you're saying Warner Brothers are hedging their bets and they're pushing their stuff onto the HBO streaming service because that's where things are going now. I just think they made the wrong call there. And especially not consulting the filmmakers before making that decision. The fact that they just went and dropped that and just said, yep, yeah, deal with it. That's what's happening. Anyway, what do you think? I'm, I'm going to, I'll agree with most of what you say, but I will say this. Um, and to, to echo something that was said by is it Eleanor, who where, where you're speaking to later. Um, Corporations don't always do what is in the best interest of people. Now you've got to remember that Warner Brothers is not its own entity. It is owned by another company. In actual fact, it's owned by AT&T. AT yeah. And AT&T are the ones that have been pushing for this because they own HBO Max. And HBO Max has not been faring well. So by shoving all the new releases onto HBO Max, they figure that it will drive up uptake for their streaming service. This is what's going to happen anyway. Being pragmatic, we're moving towards that. We're spending more time at home and they're looking at it to say, there are going to be some people who go out to the cinema, but there are going to be some people who are going to stay at home. They're not going to trust going to the cinema. And they're in the business of making money. So they're trying to, increase uptake of HBO Max, they're going, they've done the thing that's best for them. We may not disagree, we may not agree with them, but that's what they've done, if you see what I'm saying. No, I get your point. I get your point completely. And I, I, it, you're right in that regards where it is a purely, uh, it's a purely commercial reason from the, 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 the head office of, you know, the company that owns the studio, so AT&T, who don't, the way, the, with this particular decision coming down, they don't care about the actual uh, film fans. They don't care about the film aspect. They just care about the money aspect. They care about getting money in. Now, I do agree with that point. What I disagree with is the fact that trying to prop up HBO Max is a better commercial, is, is more commercially viable because it's, it, just as Christopher Nolan described it, it's a loss leader. You're essentially, even Netflix, um, I don't have the exact figures to hand, 
but I, I believe, and I may be mistaken, if I'm mistaken, I'll try and correct it next week when I go and do research. But even Netflix, when they first started out, as they were building up, they basically reported losses every single year. But oh, the yeah. reason they lost money for years and years and years and exactly. recently started to turn a profit. But then again, exactly. you they, they've done it, if you see me. They've done all the legwork and everyone is trying to pile in on top of it to, to grab a bit. You know, we've got Brickbox and we've got, we've got um, all the other ones, streaming service, Apple and blah, blah, blah. And we're getting some really decent shows out of them as a result. And, but that's my, my, that's my point. You can, still keep, you can still maintain, look at what D- Disney are doing. Disney have Disney Plus and obviously Disney haven't, they've delayed a lot of their big projects right now. I mean, with Disney Plus, they, tr- they tested the water. They put Mulan on Disney um, because they couldn't put it in the cinemas. So they put it in on Disney um, with a premium price. So you'd pay an ex, you know, they put it on Disney Plus with a premium price. And they got the backlash from that where people were getting that movie anywhere else that they could. The, um, the uh, reviews of it were horrible to the point where they will probably lose it. They're probably going to lose money on Mulan. Which is why, and I can see it with the uh, Black Widow, they haven't released Black Widow that way. They decided, no, we're going to hold back. So they're actually pushing things back and back just to see how things go because they have tested that out and it's not going to work. With AT&T making that particular decision, I don't think it's going to work trying to raise money to prop up HBO Max. I mean, I can't see into the future. I don't think it's going to work because personally, I mean, I'm the guy who goes out and gets every single streaming I can get. I have um, stars. I have Netflix, Amazon. I have uh, Hulu. No, I don't have Hulu. I have uh, Disney Plus. I have all of them. I'm not getting HBO Max because I have all the other ones and I don't have time to watch all of them. I'm not going to go and get HBO Max, right? So I'm just going to wait until Wonder Woman, if, if they release it that way, I'm just going to wait until Wonder Woman comes out in theaters and I can brave out, brave with my kids, put masks on all of them, and we'll go and sit in the cinema uncomfortable and watch it, which is most likely not going to happen, I'll just wait for it to come out on DVD or for it to come out on regular box office. And that means that delay, it means HBO Max don't get their money. It means the film um, makers don't get their theatrical release like they expected. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm David Campbell. And we've been rambling nonstop so far about the pandemic effect, which has caused Warner Brothers to decide to uh, put its 2021 slate of films, not only in theaters, but also on HBO Max, their streaming service, much to the dismay of certain filmmakers, uh, such as Christopher Nolan, the director of Tenet. I would say one last thing on this. The the good thing is, the good thing is at least they're still opening in cinemas as well as on the streaming service. Because if they had just turned around and said, we're just going to put it on a streaming service, that would have been even infinitely worse. So there is at least some support for cinemas. It's just not enough. I agree. No, I, I agree with you. Um, th- there is that. Um, it's just, I, I think, I, I think that's, that's the main thing. I think they should have also consulted all the filmmakers in, you know, that had windows in that, with that slate and basically said, here's what we're planning on doing. Um, you know, we want to go in this particular direction. We understand if you don't like it, here's the idea. If you have any alternative suggestions, please put it forward. We will consider it. And in a week or two, we will make this decision however we decide to go. Rather than, as a lot of them have said, they were given like an hour's notice 
before the press release went out. So it's like some people actually found out more on Twitter than they did from their own emails. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. Here is Spotlight. to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e. Apple, and i'm joined by uh, a an international filmmaker a producer who's going to be telling us about the projects that she's been working on please tell us your name and the latest project that you are working on well thank you for having me my name is elaine roberts i'm from miami florida currently working on a short film that's being produced in um, barcelona and we are scheduled to film this weekend in Barcelona. So it's a international team effort and I'm producing it remotely. So quite different than what I'm used to not being on set. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that we've been, talking, we've been talking about on the show quite a bit. Unless you're living under a rock on Mars, I guess, uh, you, would, you would know that pandemic has happened in 2020. So a lot of film productions have shut down. Um, big productions have stopped filming, stopped working because of the restrictions placed by the lockdown, the COVID. You, however, have found a way to actually do, carry on doing an international production. So you're working remotely as a producer. Tell us, how are you working to get that done? When the pandemic hit back in March, the industry did shift to online. So everyone just got online. And a lot of people went to Facebook. So Tina Imahara, she's in the industry, she's an editor. She created this Facebook group that I came across and I joined and there was a a good group of people and we connected and we kept on talking about what we were doing. And one of the, the director of this film, she pitched an idea for a short that could probably be done with very little actors and required very little people on set, right, which is what we need in this climate. We can't have big production. And it grew into this um, big international thing because we had so many people in the group. And she's based in Barcelona. Her first AD is in Barcelona. And then my friend, who he's also a filmmaker, and he has his production company in Barcelona. So that kind of just aligned well. And then we have everyone in the West Coast, like helping out, um, Eric Broder, who's an editor on big studio films like Transformers. And so they're helping out over there. I'm here in Miami. I'm on the East Coast. Um, we have people in Uruguay. We have people in India. It's, it's a big international effort. And, um, and yeah, here we are. We're filming this weekend. And you, you, hit, you touched upon a very, I guess, sort of an answer to the scenario I posed earlier, where I'd mentioned that big productions are unable to work in these conditions, so they shut them down. And you kind of hit the nail on the head where if the production is, is light enough, you can actually get it done. Whereas big studios can't afford to do that. They, they don't have that interest to be able to invest or produce that kind of you know, low budget, um, skeletal crew type film. Whereas you as an independent producer are able to do that, which is fantastic. Now you talked about the fact that you met these people through an online networking uh, and networking platform do you know do you have a name of the platform or is was it a platform or was it just sort of social media it is definitely social media it's on facebook and the group is it's called the entertainment 
industry collaborators. And the creator is Tina Imahara. And okay. it's been so great because she has brought on her colleagues in the film industry um, as special guests to do these Zoom sessions with us. And we're talking about people that are professionals in the industry. So for us, um, independent filmmakers, which is what you were just mentioning. So us as the indie filmmakers, we are used to doing things on a low budget, but making it look like high production. So the pandemic has kind of allowed for the indie filmmakers to kind of get in the front seat right now. And, and her creating this group has helped us because we have connected with all of these um, big professionals who have been generous. They've offered their time. They've gone on all these Zoom calls with us. We have showrunners, uh, directors, producers, writers. You know, we could ask questions, get their feedback. And it's been great because they've, they've gone on and even joined as mentors. Even uh, Kimberly Browning, who's um, in the uh, film festival circuit, Holly Shorts and things like that. I mean, you just have this whole 360 degree angle. You're getting so much valuable information. So you're kind of connecting. She's helping bridge that gap from the indie to like the, the professionals. And even though it's been a rough time, this pandemic has allowed that because no one could work. You know, Tina's point in doing that was to just kind of help others. Yeah, I mean, look what came of it. We're, we're, we're shooting a film. Absolutely. You're listening yeah. to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm uh, speaking with producer uh, Elaine Roberts, who is telling us about a short, an international short that she is uh, producing, uh, even though the restrictions are uh, basically have everyone locked down. And you mentioned just before we started recording how you are unable to fly to Barcelona, which is where the short film is being shot. As a producer who has to work remotely from the actual production, what are the advantages that you're currently experiencing? And also what are the obvious disadvantages that you're experiencing not being on set? So yeah, I mean, the advantage for me is just being connected since everyone is home, having things at my fingertips and just so having that advantage of just being able to, to get what I need um, whenever I need it. Um, no one's, I don't have to wait for someone to, to be available, things like that. The technology has allowed that. You know, I've been living on Zoom since March. The technology has been great um, for that, on that aspect. And the disadvantage for me, it's just not being physically there. Like when they go to the location, the scouting, prepping, getting the equipment, meeting with everyone, not being physically there. I kind of prefer that. Zoom allows you to do that, but for me, it's different. I'd rather just be there and, and I feel like I would have maybe a little bit more control. But the fact that, you know, my, my colleague is doing that, he's Mark and his production company is Limat Films in Barcelona. When you have a good team of people and you work with a good team of people, I think that's the most important thing. When you do projects, you have that trust. And, um, and he's been just doing everything great and handling everything. Yeah, the disadvantage for me is not being there physically. That's good. Can you, can you give us a quick synopsis as to what the uh, project is about? The project is, it's a drama mostly. Might have a little bit of sci-fi as well, but the drama is the, the main element there. It will have a very 
strong social element, um, which I think is important when you do stories because it's, you want to tell a story that um, will always hit on a good topic, will affect people, and has a positive message. The project, you're, it's about, um, you have a young female um, named Alma who goes into this uh, corporation um, seeking services, and the corporation is um, a big corporation, because I'm trying not to give the ending away. Sure. Um, I, I, services, I, can see, yeah. I, can see, I can see the wheels spinning. You're like, if I say this, everyone's going to know what I'm talking about, and you're going fi to figure out what it is, and your director's going to yell at you from across from across the yep. pond and say, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Basically, no one's going to watch it now because you've told everybody. Okay, yeah. so I see. But, yeah, you're, as the audience, you're going to be confronted with an ethical question. Should this be allowed? Should it not be allowed? And what it means for everyone. It's, it's really on a greater level. And it's, it, it really relates and touches upon things that we're experiencing now. Can't say too much. <laughs> because the impact is, it's a, it is a powerful, you know, when, when the director, um, Louise Briggs, when she pitched the idea, for me, I, I do, I love helping filmmakers and I, I, I love getting projects made and, and yes, it's great to do it in, in this environment, but the story has to have a good positive message. That's what I'm about as a storyteller. And it, it's a short, but it had a, a, a very powerful um, message and a powerful ending, which is really why I decided to go ahead and join the project and get it made. That makes sense. That makes absolute sense. I, I, in my head, as you've been, as you're trying to skip past different things, in my head, I'm, I, I wanted to just drop a couple of things, a couple of uh, opinions as which organization it is. But knowing my luck, I'm going to say the very first one, and I'm going to see the reaction on your face is going to be, "Yep, that's the one," and everyone's going to go, "Thanks, dude. Thank you for for ruining the story for us." Um, oh, so from the timeline of, of the project, when do you estimate that this short will be available for people to watch? We're thinking maybe spring of 2021. So we'll wrap up filming this weekend and then it'll go straight to post. And we have, you know, the usual while it's editing at the same time, we have to get marketing materials, do our, our press kit. It will have a film festival campaign. We're shooting for uh, spring of 2021, but we'll keep everyone posted Excellent. as we go. And if anyone wants to follow you on social media, what are your social media handles as well as for the film that people can follow? On Facebook, Elaine Roberts. On Instagram, Lainey Rowe. On Twitter, not Lainey Rowe, Lainey CYD. My production company is called Chase Your Dreams Productions. Okay. So CYD for short. I'm on LinkedIn as well. So the short film is called The Pill, and okay. you could search um, the, the Pill official film on Facebook, on Instagram as well. Fantastic. We're going to take all of those links anyway, and we're going to put them on show notes for this, for, uh, this episode so that when people get the podcast, which gets dropped every Monday, they can just go in, find the show notes, and we'll post it on Facebook and and Instagram, et cetera. Uh, Lynn Roberts, thank you very much for joining us uh, on Shoot the Breeze. And like I said, when, when you have the movie ready, please let us know. We'd love to watch it. And I'll see if I, my guess was correct. Uh, and we would be happy to share around with everyone, all our listeners, so they can support you as much as they can. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Miami-based 
film producer, Elaine Roberts. She's currently producing a film called The Pill from across the pond. She, the film is being shot in Spain and she's in Miami, Florida. And she's discussing with me how to defeat the whole lockdown pandemic, working across uh, the oceans to get your projects done. Now let's move on to the next segment, which is top five favorites. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm David Campbell. And our top five favorites this week. We did agree it was going to be uh, TV shows that, have, that we feel have gone too soon. So if this is the first time you're listening to the show, what we do is we, in our hashtag top five favorites segment, we go through a list of our top five favorites in various categories. And this week, it is top five favorite TV shows that we feel have gone too soon in 2020. Now, uh, uh, we'll start with number five and number four and go all the way down. Since we don't have a guest joining us in this segment, producer Dave, you're going to take it for number five and number four. What is your number five and number four? Right. Well, I'm going to start with a, a couple that um, have been on my list to watch, but I haven't actually watched yet. I'm not all the way through to, to the, the very end. Um, so my number five is The Magicians. Um, this came on to sci-fi and um, because I don't have sci-fi, it's difficult for me to watch. I mean, it's also on, um, I believe it's on one of the uh, Freeview channels, but again, it's on at a time that is not always easy for me to watch. So I've caught some episodes and I'm kind of intrigued because I do like the whole magical aspects thing. But uh, yeah, that's one yeah. of the best. I've seen, I've seen that pop up and I, I and I've heard other people talk about it as well in passing, but I'll, I, I'll tell you this. I have no idea what the show is about. Um, and every time it pops up, I just see the magicians and I'm thinking, I guess one of the reasons why I don't really spring for it is because, well, I don't, you know, rush out to go and watch it is because whenever I hear the magicians, my thought immediately goes to a movie done by Mitchell and Reb, uh, Mitchell and Webb, David Mitchell and Robert Webb, I think called the magicians, um, and it, it was a film done in like the early 2000s. I, I really like that film. I mean, I, I love anything Mitchell and Webb. Um, but every time that comes up, I always think, you know, I think that's that, pro that, that film. So, uh, but anyway, that, I, I've not seen it. The Magicians, it got cancelled this year. It got cancelled. Um, it, it's, it's been on for a little while as well. Um, it's set in a magic school, a bit like Harry Potter, but the premise is, like, is, is different. So... Yeah, it looks a little bit more um, entertaining as well. Okay, so that, that's, your number, that's your number five. What's your number four? My number four is Altered Carbons. Now, that one is um, available on Netflix. Um, and it only went for two seasons. And I didn't actually start watching it until recently. Um, but basically, it's, um, it takes place 360 years in the future. Apparently, a person's memories and consciousness are written into a disc-shaped device called a cortical stack implanted at the base of the vertebrae in the neck. Um, it looks really interesting. I managed to catch one episode, and I, I need to catch up with that, catch up with it. But I, I was kind of like drawn in. So, um, yeah, 
That's, that's yeah, not- Altered Carbon is a very good one. It was going to be on my list. If, if it was a, I, I did contemplate doing, you know, doubling up, but I didn't want to double up for this particular list. But it's like my number six, Altered Carbon. I really enjoyed it. I watched the first season. I've started watching the second season. I'm in, I've, I'm halfway through episode one. Uh, and yes, absolutely. Really disappointed that it got canceled. It's a very, it's a highly ambitious uh, a film project. I think it was or a TV show. I think it's based on a book as well. So I, I, yeah, I haven't is. read the books yet. Um, but yeah, the first season, I really enjoyed the first season. I can't remember the name of the lead in the first, but Anthony Mackie takes over in the second season. Uh, but yeah, so your number five was The Magicians and your number four was Altered Carbon. My number five uh, is, a brave, uh, is Brave New World. So it's uh, uh, Alden Ehrenreich, Jessica Brown, uh, Jessica Brown Finley, Harold Harry Lloyd, uh, and it is based on the Aldous Huxley novel of the same title, A Brave New World, uh, where uh, it's it's set in a future where where London is now uh, uh, sort of it's after some, like some massive world wars that have occurred, nuclear apocalypse, etc. But now London is structured in a fashion in a hedonistic fashion, if you will, where it's all about enjoying yourself. It's all about pleasure. People take pills to not feel serious emotion unless it is to do with uh, sex and love. There's no violence at all. And then in, on the outside, they have uh, the outside uh, world, if you will, there's a theme park, which is sort of the uh, the old days. So it's kind of, I guess you could say it's set in America, if you will, that, that theme park where they, they have very weird ideas of old cultural practices of marriage and violence and so on. And it's very, it's, it's very uh, funny the way you can see how history, looking back at historical customs, the way they actually portray it. And what happens is uh, the, the main characters or some of the main characters, two characters in particular, they go to this theme park and there is a violent attack that occurs and they, uh, they return back to London with uh, a new, uh, with someone from the park who comes into London, who's sort of an outsider, who comes in to understand more about what's going on and he causes havoc in this new London. It's a great show. I guess they kind of completed the cycle. So it's one season and you know that's most likely the reason why they would have just canceled it. But the, the way that it ended, it's sort of, I mean, it could be picked up for a second season, although they've just said, nope, they've canceled it straight away. So that's my number five, uh, Brave New World. I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. My number four is Better Call Saul. Now, this show has been going on for six years or is it for six seasons. Is Bob Odenkirk, uh, Jonathan Banks, uh, Gian- Giancarlo Esposito. It's a spinoff from Breaking Bad where you follow the lawyer, Saul Goodman. And okay, it's, it, Yes, they had planned to wrap it up as it is. My my grief with it is the fact that it's such a beautiful, beautiful show. Well-written, well-acted. It's an amazing cast of talents. Bob, I'll watch Bob Odenkirk read the telephone book. He's fantastic. He's a very funny actor, very good at what he does. All the characters are excellent. And it's just a shame that it's being canceled. It's not canceled. It's completing its run. So it's finishing and it's ending. So that's why I put it as my number four. So my number five is Brave New World. My number four is Better Call Saul. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm David Campbell. And David's going to tell us his number three and number two in the top five favorite 
at TV shows that have gone too soon in 2020. What is your number three and two? Well, I don't know if, if this has gone too soon because it's, it lasted for 11 seasons, but this, um, <laughs> but um, it's Walking Dead. And the reason why I'm going to miss it, I mean, the first nine seasons starred, uh, oh gosh, what's his name again? Um, uh, Rick Grimes, right? Um, uh, Andrew Lincoln. Andrew Lincoln, that's it. Andrew yeah. Lincoln, who's, who starred in a, a few TV series over here. He's an English actor before going to, uh, across the pond to star in this. And for the first nine seasons, um, it, you know, he, he really did sort of like lead the show. Um, unfortunately, over here, it started off on Channel 5 and then it got started to move around and then I got lost track of it. So um, after a few seasons, I, I kind of lost it. Um, and I really, really want to catch up with it again. So um, I'm hoping that it all lands on somewhere like Netflix or what have you so I can um, pick up where I left off and watch the others. But I know uh, I'm, I'm with you. The Walking Dead, I, again, on my list, but I, I pushed it aside because it is, it, it, the reason why I pushed it aside was because I am a, I'm, a, I'm a diehard fan of The Walking Dead. But yeah, the reason why I didn't put it in my list is because I, even though I'm a diehard fan of the show, it was beginning to run out of steam. It was it literally, it was a case where um, it, it just, it just couldn't carry the story anymore. They started trying to bring it back, but it just got too, too bad. Uh, so that was your number three, right? What was your number two? My number two was um, a bit of a toss up on this and because it, it was either one of the two, but I've decided it's going to be um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have to say that after the, the main character was removed, and I'm not going to turn around and say how he got removed or what have you, but after the main character removed and then came back, I kind of like thought, oh, good gosh, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and, 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 and I never really got over that little hump, if you see what I mean, to carry on watching with that, that season. But up until that point, I had been watching it faithfully whenever it came on. So, um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it tied in with the Marvel Universe, but not totally with the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I liked it for that reason. And I liked um, the fact that you didn't necessarily see superhero stuff, but it was always lurking there in the background. So Yeah. yeah. I know I agree with you. I, I, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., again, also one that was on my list as well. I didn't put it on there because of the, the ones you'll hear me talk about. Um, because the, the more we go down the list, uh, you, you'll see, it, it's the ones that I've been watching. And I'm like, I really don't, I don't know why they got cancelled. Uh, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I really enjoyed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, your point as well with how it tied into the cinematic universe as well. It sort of that kind of hampered it a little bit. And they've even said that as well. They said the uh, producers and the writers said how, how much it, it really hampered their show because the first couple of seasons, they had to tie it into some of the big cinematic stuff. However, they couldn't really do much with it because, you know, the movie will come out and they can't really go in and start spoiling what's going to happen in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. So that really hampered them when they needed to tell their stories. And so they, they decided, I think it was season three or season four, where they went in and made some serious um, decisions story-wise, which I really enjoyed. Mm. Uh, there was one, one story um, element in one season, which was about them going into the mainframe, which was sort of like a, 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 a virtual reality setup. 
So that meant that they could go in and extricate themselves from the cinematic universe. And then as soon as they come out of that one, they get shot like into the future. So it's like- Oh yeah, that was was brilliant. That was- Exactly. So they just get catapulted into the future so they can do whatever they want to do. So, and it was at that point, you actually saw the, the writers and the creators just basically go, you know what, we're no longer tied to the cinematic universe we are free to do whatever we want and yeah i remember your the, the point that you made as well about the character that that that, that goes away and then comes back in a different incarnation i'm not yeah. going to say who it is just for people to watch um i love the incarnation he comes back in as he you're going to know who it is i love the incarnation he comes back in i can i really enjoyed that 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 season um, and I'm looking forward to the most, the, the last season, which I think is going to be dropped on Disney plus. You can get all the episodes if you have Disney plus. Right. Um, so, um, and I think Netflix as well. It might be on Netflix as well. It might be on but, Netflix. Uh, right. That's if it's going to be on Netflix. It's, um, anymore, it's, going sh- yeah. it's going to be shown on channel four. So at some point, yeah, but it's definitely, it's definitely on Disney plus, uh, and I'm waiting. I, I think the last season is now on Disney plus. So I'm going to go check it out pretty soon. Uh, really like so- um, Ming, Ming-Na Wen as well, her character. She's brilliant. And she pops up in Mandalorian as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. In two episodes in Mandalorian, do you think that she'd gone in after one episode? But bang, she's back again. So, you know. I'm, I'm quite- yeah. But I, I mean, Ming-Na Wen, I love Ming-Na Wen. Anything she does, every time she pops up, I'm like, yes. I, I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even call her by the name, by her character name. I just say, that's Ming-Na Wen. You know, yeah. Ming-Na mm-hmm. Wen, her, that's all I, whenever I I said because she's amazing every time she does she oh, her character in uh, agency shield is amazing and it's yeah. like as soon as she walks into a room you're like yes the s is about to go down yeah, exactly. so <laughs> uh, so your number three was walking dead your number two is agency shield my number three is ray donovan now the reason i put ray donovan this is uh Liev shriver uh, eddie marsden uh john uh, john voigt uh, great show it went for about seven seasons and the reason I included it in this list is because, and again, this is speculation because it hasn't really, no one's really said much about it, but they, they had, it, it, I think there was word that they were going to finish it off on the eighth season. They were going to have an eighth season and then finish it off. But then stuff happened. And the stuff that I heard was to do with one of the actors who played uh, Daryl. His name is Pooch Hall. Um, he got arrested for some, some some random incident that happened, drunk driving with a baby in his lap while he's driving the car, something along those lines. And I, I think I, I haven't done the research to find out what happened with that court case, but that obviously is sort of like that happened. And then a few weeks later, the show got canceled. So it's, it's kind of a, okay, you know, there might be, those two might be connected. Again, I'm speculating. I don't know if it's hard proof. I'm just saying that that happened and then the show got canceled before they got to do their last season. Plus the fact that the the latest season that they had ends on a cliffhanger, which, and yeah, I know a lot of shows end on cliff, cliffhangers, but it wasn't, it, it was set up to be resolved in the final season, which they didn't do. And it's got, it got canceled. So um, it, it's, but it's a great show. It, uh, it's about a Hollywood fixer, if you will, played by Liev Shriver. Played brilliantly. By, I mean, again, another actor that I think is fantastic. And is, I wouldn't call, would I say he's underrated? He's not underrated because whenever you mention his name in any conversation, everybody agrees that he's great. It's just that he is, he doesn't 
he doesn't do nearly as much work as he should. I mean, I dislike Wolverine Origins, but I think the two characters, the two actors in that show, in that film are amazing. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and Liev Shriver as uh, Sabretooth. Anyway, that was my number three, Ray Donovan. My number two is Siren. I've mentioned this a number of times. It went for three seasons. It stars Alex Rowe and a blistering performance um, by Ellen Powell, who plays uh, Rin. And it's, it's set, it's, it's a show about um, a, a town, this uh, a nice little touristy town in, in, on the outskirts of Washington. Uh, it's a sea town. It is known for its legends about mermaids having lived there at one point. And then mermaids actually show up. So mermaids are actually part of the story. So the whole idea is about these mermaids who come to shore and some of the characters interact and it's how it sort of turns the, the, the community around. It's a wonderful, it's on, it's on sci-fi. It's a wonderful show, three seasons. Um, and it, it's the, you, you follow the characters as they build and they develop very well done, whole three-dimensional characters. Um, you're always, you, they're, they're no two-dimensional characters at all. They're very, very fully developed, fully fleshed out characters. And then the third season finishes. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's wrapped up, obviously left with the idea for you to be able to have, that they could easily go in and do a fourth season. But then they had just announced that, nope, they're not doing a fourth season. It's canceled. It's no longer. So maybe it was ratings that dwindled. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, just like the characters in, in that show, the siren song hooked me. And I, I've been saying this to people. It's like every now and again, I'll just be working and I'll just hear the siren song in my head. And I, I want to go and watch it. That's become pretty much because I binge watched the episodes um, nonstop, like day in, day out. I was watching the episodes, so I got hooked on it. But that's why it's my number two as a TV show that was canceled this year that I think has gone too soon. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm David Campbell. And we are about to say our top, fa- our top five favorites, our number one on the top five favorite TV shows canceled in 2020 that have gone too soon. David, what's your number one? My number one, I'm going to spell it out before I say it. Okay. It's spelled S-C-H-I-T-T-S. S-C-H-I-T-T-S. I, Sorry, S C H. Oh yes, okay, okay. I see. Yes, right. Okay. So just I, I did that deliberately because when I say it, people are gonna go. It's Shit's sure. Creek. Yes. And I saw it pop up on TV, and I was thinking, what the hell is this? And I watched an episode which was in the middle of one of the, the seasons. I think it was season three, and I was hooked. Yeah. So I then saw it that it landed on Netflix and I started watching that from the beginning. And I'm really glad I started watching it from the beginning. It is hilarious. It is absolutely funny. It is so, so funny. Um, and it created by a uh, father and son and it's, it's gorgeously brilliant. <laughs> it's no, so and, and it's, it's, it's got, um, not just thinking about it. <laughs> it's got Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. So if you recognize the names that you, if you don't recognize the names, if you're a big fan of the, oh, what's his, the name of uh, the, the, the guy that does American uh, Pie. Yeah. You know, he's the, he's the dad from American Pie, but those two in particular are, uh, they are um, Christopher. 
uh, Christopher Guest. Yeah, so there, uh, this director, Christopher Guest, does a lot of um, like improvised films or improv films, uh, films such as Best in Show, uh, This is Spinal Tap, uh, uh, Waiting for Goffman, etc. So it's like he has a, a team of actors that he always brings together and they improvise the entire movie. And Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are always, they're, they're, they pretty much headline those, the, those groups, uh, you know, those films. And the two of them are the mother and father in the show. It's that's a show that's on my radar. I want to show check it out. It's hilarious. And, you know, it's uh, one of those shows which is in half-hour bite-sized chunks, well, 20-odd 20, 20 minutes, bite-sized chunks. And you, you, you go in, you sit down there, you laugh your socks off, and you can't wait for the ne- next episode. Um, I think it's... I personally think it's finished too soon because I would like to have seen more seasons. But from one of the, read, the readings I've done, they have come to the natural end as far as they're concerned. Yeah. They couldn't take, they couldn't take it any longer. But um, you know what Hollywood's like. They would have flogged the, head, flogged the horse until it was dead. So Of course. Of yeah. course. Absolutely. But I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but good things about it. So it is something that it is one it's on my radar. Uh, when I get the chance, and as you said, it's 22 minutes an, uh, per episode, so I can easily binge that in in the space of it's 80 episodes. Oof! I don't want to do the maths on that one because that would just basically make me feel depressed as well, <laughs> as to all the things that I need to do that I'm going to dedicate to t- certain TV shows. But I already know that about my life anyway, so it's fine. So Shit's Creek is on my list. Okay, that's your number one uh, number one TV show cancelled in 2020 that has gone too soon. My number one is a TV show called Stumptown. It's one season. It uh, stars Kobe Smulders, Jake Johnson, Michael Ely. It's about uh, a, um, a, uh, an Iraqi vet, veteran played by Kobe Smulders. You recognize her from the Avengers movies um, as Agent Hill, Maria Hill. Uh, she's also in How I Met Your Mother. Um, she is. She comes back from uh, from Iraq, and she's an alcoholic. She's a she's a as a, a slacker layabout who is looking for something to do, and eventually just stumbles into becoming a private investigator. And that's what each episode is, right? So she's a private investigator. She takes on various cases and so on. And it's it's a. I really enjoyed the show. It's highly underrated. It was on. Um, you can catch the first season on Alibi. Uh, and it's a great show. It's very, it's a strong female lead. She takes care of her autistic brother. I think he's autistic. Uh, but even he is, he's his own strong character in, in, in himself. And then you have Jake Johnson and then Michael Ely. Oh, I mean, dude, this is, is milk chocolate. He's just, I mean, I, if I had, if I have, he's my, on my list of man crushes, dude is just, he, he's a great actor. Um, and he's just honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah, just just to move that. on from that, um, no, no, my... I, look, I will, I will, st- I will start yeah. my way through, yeah, 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 yeah. just to move on from that because, um, <laughs> um, from, from what I see, uh, sometime was actually renewed for a second series, but oh, was it? Yeah, it was renewed, but it was cancelled due oh. to COVID. Oh, so, fair enough, yeah. there you go. So, there's there is a possibility it might come back with someone else to do it to picking it up. If okay, fingers crossed, fingers crossed against him, you know, because that was, it was a great show. It was a very, very good show. It needs to be picked up. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank you very much for constantly sticking with us. We've got one last episode before the end of the season, uh, just our Christmas episode, which is next week, where we have, we're welcoming back 
the hottest working, the, the, the uh, British, British answer to Nora Ephron and the hottest working head of production in the business. Ariana Ryan is coming back next week. Um, I have been uh, Marcus E. Ako. And I'm still David Campbell. Saying thank you all very much for listening. And see you all next week. Yeah, did I ramble a little bit too much there? Yeah, you did. Okay. Every, everyone listening, yes, you did ramble too much. Bye.